I'm going to start with a question that you might have some trepidation or maybe you're very enthusiastic to who here today would say that there's an area of your life that you're always trying to control? An area of your life that you're always trying to control. If you have an area of your life that you always feel the need to be in control, I want you to just raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Because I'll raise my hand too. And right now, if you really want to raise the hand of the person sitting next to you, don't. No, el no elbowing here today, please. Because sometimes it's easier to raise someone else's hand than our own. All of us have certain areas of our life that we try to control. So I want you to think this morning about what am I trying to control the most? What am I trying to control the most. And there are lots and lots of things. I could give dozens of examples. We'll just do a few. Some of you, you really need to control your schedule or plan because interruptions drive you crazy. Deviations from what you had planned drive you nuts. Or some of you feel an obsessive need to control your money or resources to the point where it consumes your time and energy. You spend two hours just trying to find where that missing five cents went and how it matches up with your bank statement. And it ends up controlling you. For some of you, you keep trying to control the people around you or your kids. And my question is, how's that working out? Because when we try to control the people around us, it usually doesn't go well. And for others, you really want to control other people's opinions of you. Newsflash, you can't. And so you might work hard to craft an image of a perfect or impressive life. You know the pictures on Facebook or Instagram. It's like, wow, that person is always at some exotic location. They have the perfect filter on their pictures. They must lead a charmed life. We all know what the reality of real life is, though. Now, I believe that each of us has some area of our life like this. So this next thing might be a bit difficult to hear, but I really want you to stick with me. This desire to exert control is where you are probably most spiritually vulnerable. Not just control, but the desire to exert control is where we often are the most spiritually vulnerable. Because what you try to control the most usually means or often reveals where you trust God the least. And this is a hard truth that we have to accept. The more and more we try to control certain things in our life, it's like having a piece of Play-Doh in your hand and the tighter you hold on to it, the more of it squeezes out through your fingers and you can't control it. 
Or you can try that with a tube of toothpaste. The tighter you squeeze, the more of it squeezes out, and you can never get it back in the bottle again. The more we try to control, it often reveals where we trust God the least. And what do we do when we don't trust God in an area of our life? Well, of course, we try to take control. We want to speed the process. We want to direct the outcome because, Lord, you are just not moving in the direction that I need to go. Now, that's next week. We're talking about why is God so slow. That'll be next week, all right? When something gets, even, gets out of control, we actually try harder to control it. And the sorry thing for us is that we end up trusting God even less than we did before. Now you might know specifically what that thing is for you, that area of your life. Sometimes we'll say an area of weakness. Today we begin a new series called Ben There where we learn that Jesus actually understands what you feel and what you're going through because he has already been there before you. So I want to look at God's word and see how Jesus, just like you and me, could have been tempted and indeed was tempted to take control when things got stressful. I'll give you a hint. He chose a different path. And it's this. Jesus chose Surrender over control. There's a lot of bad press about that word today, but surrender to God is never a sign of weakness. If anything, it's a sign of strength. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 26, and this is towards the end of Matthew's Gospel where Jesus and his disciples, they've already completed the Last Supper, and now it's nighttime, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane, some, some Bibles will have a little note in it, means the place of the crushing. I'm going to start reading in verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus shares with them the depth of his emotion in this moment. The struggle. We sometimes forget, yes, Jesus was the Son of God, but he was also a son. He was fully human as well. He experienced things just like we did, and he needed people to help support him as well. It was agony for him. The weight of knowing what he was about to endure was crushing him. To the point of death, he says. In other words, it's like he's saying, I'm not sure if I can even take it. Lord, it's overwhelming. And so he tells those disciples, stay here and keep watch with me. Let me read the next part of verse 39. 
It says this, he went on a little further and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. I'll stop there for a second. Just like humans, Jesus could be hurt physically because he had physical needs. He could be hurt emotionally because he feels things like we do. And he's praying to his Father in heaven, is there another way, God my Father? I know this is going to hurt. I don't want this. At least the human part of him is saying this. But then he continues on incredibly. And the last few words of this verse are this. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. After this incredibly intense prayer, Jesus returns and shares some of what he has experienced. Let me read a few more verses. Verse 40. He returned to the disciples and he was perhaps going to tell them something about what he had just prayed and says he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. I sometimes think that maybe Jesus was almost giving himself a pep talk as well. Not just saying it to the disciples, you know, we really can't get too down on the disciples, because I know I've fallen asleep a time or two when someone else was praying as well. Don't worry, it's okay. What happens then? Verse 42. It says, Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. He didn't want it at first, but he ultimately comes around and says, Your will be done, not mine. Because, you know, sometimes surrendering takes multiple attempts. That's probably even more true for you and me. In that moment, knowing what would come, Jesus, in his human frailty, chose to trust his Father in heaven completely. He chose surrender over control, which is certainly not our norm today. Surrender is a bad word for many people. Our world teaches us to take control, to seize it by any means. Instead, you take charge, you make it happen, you control your destiny. And while that might sound great in a national sense or in a local sense, nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be farther from what Jesus models for us. Because he knows the temptation we, we face to want to control things. The reality is that you do not always have the power to control, but you do have the power to surrender to God. You cannot control everything, but you can trust everything to your Father in heaven, the one who is just and merciful and 
in control. He's always had his hand on the wheel. Sometimes we're just not aware of it. Surrender. It's a spiritual word that sometimes sounds too defeatist for our culture today. But haven't we said this before, that much of what Jesus models through his life and death and resurrection as recorded in the Bible, isn't that much of what Jesus says is countercultural about his message? Yeah, what Jesus teaches us often will press against the other things that we think we believe in this world. We like to think or believe that we would rather have God's will. I mean, I, I would hope that I could say what Jesus prayed. Not my will, but yours, O oh God. That sounds like a good prayer, doesn't it? But then I stopped to think, and I realized that it's really hard to give up what I want, or what I think I want. And if I'm honest, or if you're honest, sometimes we don't want God's will to be done. We prefer our will to be done. I only want God's will to be done when it's easy or comfortable for me. At least that's what I've thought before. Lord, thy will be done, but not too much suffering, please. The truth is that it's just because we like to be in control, or at least think we are. So I ask our original question once more in a more personal way. What are you trying to control that God wants you to surrender? What are you trying to control that God wants you to surrender? Is this the question you want us to answer on our bulletin? Just wait. No, you're good. You, if you want to answer that question right now, go ahead and be my guest, and I will. I will uh, make sure that I also share the thing that I would write down in my connection card. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's your future or your job situation or your finances. See, sometimes we think about the simpler things that maybe are sillier, like my need to control how the dishwasher is loaded. My wife just said, this is true. I apologize. Don't worry, it's not just you. I do the same thing when I'm at my parents' house. I redo their dishwasher too. To be really clear as we're thinking about this, there are some things in life that you do want to have some measure of control over. So I have a, just a couple of simple questions that I think can help us whenever the temptation or desire to take control begins to rise up in you. Three simple questions. Number one, is it worth my concern? Or you could say, is it worthy of my concern? Because there are some things that are worthy or worth your concern. Is it mine to control? Because there are some things that are in your control. And then the last one, and this is sometimes the hardest one, is it for God 
alone. You see, sometimes we like to do or try to do God's job for him. That first one, is it worth my concern? Sometimes we are simply trying to control things that in the big scheme of things don't really matter. In the big scheme of things, dishwasher efficiency does not matter. And let's face it, we all have those things. I know, some of you are like, oh, I just, I'm having trouble with that one. The, we all have those things that get us so easily worked up that if we actually take a step back and we say it out loud, it sounds kind of silly that I need to control that so much. Many areas of control don't really matter in the moment. You know what those things are for you. And so we have to ask, is this really worth my concern? Or another phrase we would say, is this a hill that I need to die on? Be careful, there aren't that many hills. And in fact, the only hill worth dying on is the one that Jesus died on. Second question, is it mine to control? Because there are things in your life that you do need to take care of and oversee. You do need to turn in your homework if you want to pass a class. You do have to pay your electric bill if you want to have AC on those really hot days. You do have to take control to manage your time and effort in life. You do need to take a shower before you have a job interview or go on a date if you want to have a second one. You do have to exercise self-control if you spend too much. You do need to control what comes out of your mouth and what comes into your eyeballs. So of course there are plenty of things we need to do and should do. Is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? And the third question, is it for God alone? Because sometimes we try to control things that were never ours to control in the first place. You cannot heal your body, but God can. So surrender to him. You can't change your partner no matter how much you want to, but God can. So trust them to God. You cannot control your children, so commit them to God. And you can't control the future, surrender it to God. Friends, it can be incredibly freeing to remind ourselves that God is the Lord of all creation. And because God is in control, we can pray, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I will put my trust in you. If we don't, we will go crazy trying to control everything in our life. There are a lot of great Bible verses that speak about giving up control. But one of the most well-known ones is from Proverbs 3. I'm going to read it from... NIV, because that's a little more familiar wording. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm going to stop there. How much of your heart? All of it. It says all because there is no partial surrender to God. I can't say, God, I'm surrendered to you 48.9% on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. 
But the other days I got those covered. I'm okay. My will will get me through Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and maybe Saturdays. We might be willing to surrender our salvation and trust God with that, but we're not able to trust Him with our finances and our tithe. We might be able to trust that God will answer someone else's prayers, but we're not too sure about ours. The verse says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, I prefer the NIV because it says, Submit to Him. Acknowledge Him is also true, but it's a little massaged way of saying it. And He will what? Make your paths straight. That word submit or acknowledge, it's actually the Hebrew word yada, not yada yada yada, but yada, which means to know, not just knowing with your mind, but with your heart. And so at its simplest, verse 6 in Proverbs says, in all your ways, know him, know him. To know who God is means we submit to Him. We submit to His Lordship over all. We are rebellious people, which is why we need to read these verses again and again. I know I'm rebellious. I know some of you are too. In all your ways, know God. How then can you come to know Jesus, the Son of God? Well, the Bible obviously reveals a lot of different ways, but at the center of it is that if you've messed up and sinned and fallen short and you're broken and if you've hurt someone and if you've done something that you're ashamed of, you can know Him as your Lord and Savior. In fact, I would say you need to know Him as your Lord and Savior. Because Jesus is the only one who rescues and saves and delivers and can forgive. When you surrender, when you submit your will to His, you are surrendering to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who will never lead you astray, the one who knows all your weaknesses and was tempted in every way you are have been. But in Jesus' case, he did not sin. When you think about Jesus in the garden that night, he could have taken control at any time. But instead he said, not my will. In fact, when one of his disciples tried to take control as they were arresting Jesus, no one remember who that was? The uh, loudmouth one who typically put his foot in his mouth. Peter, he couldn't, he couldn't stand. He thought Jesus needed defending. So he takes a sword and he cuts the ear off of one of the soldiers that was coming to arrest Jesus. And Jesus is like, we're not doing it that way. Stop. He heals the man. He chooses surrender over control. And when he was on the cross and took his final breath, he 
he surrendered his will completely. When he said, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. See, he knew his Father in heaven had everything under control, even as he hung on the cross. Friends, you don't always have the power to control things in your life, but you do have the power to surrender to God. Jesus spoke about this multiple times. The verse that came to mind this week was Matthew 10, 39. He said, if you cling to your life, that is, if you try to control it, if you always try to be in charge of everything in your life, if you cling to it, you will lose it. But if you give your life up for me, you will find it. Jesus invites you to freely surrender. To surrender those areas or concerns to him. He does this because he's been there before. He knows what it takes. To follow him is to surrender control. So I ask us a final time, what are you trying to control that God wants you to surrender? And if you know what that thing is, write it on your connection card. So Stacy, you were correct. Right now you may be holding on too tight, trying to control it, trying to control the outcome or even shape it to your will. It's excruciating, especially when you see people in your life that you know would benefit from a different path, off the path of destruction, and yet you can't make those choices for them. Maybe you're afraid to let go. Maybe you need to surrender a fear that's held you hostage or kept you trapped. Maybe you need to surrender your health to him and then listen to his leading. I've had to learn this one real brutally last couple weeks. Surrender your relationship struggles and your family dysfunctions to him. Surrender the person that weighs heavy on your heart, a child, a friend, a spouse, a co-worker, or a family member. Surrender them to God. Continue to pray for them and trust that God, in his way and in his time and according to his will, will get through. As you choose to surrender control, I would encourage you to let God know aloud. Acknowledge that His ways are higher and better and stronger. When you surrender, you are choosing to lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways you are choosing to submit to Him, to know Him. And the promise is that He will direct your path. Rather than defeat, surrendering to God actually opens you to experience His victory and freedom and rest within your soul. We all know how stressful it is when we feel like we've got a hundred balls up in the air and we're trying to keep them all going. It's impossible. What's the area of control that you need to release to God? As you experience God's victory and freedom and rest within your soul, you can't help but praise Him. You can't
can't help but praise him with all your heart as he leads you on that straight path. You can say things like, thank you, Jesus. Or the song we're going to sing in just a couple minutes, blessed be your name. Church, I would encourage you to think, reflect more deeply on this. And if you have the courage, surrender whatever that is. See how God leads you. Let's pray. Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we humbly ask you to do a work in us as we surrender to you. We acknowledge in this moment that you alone are worthy of our praise, so may our praise rise to you. We pray in this moment just as Jesus knelt in the garden and prayed. When he said, this isn't what I want, but I trust you, God, your will be done. With all our heart this morning, we want to trust you in that same way. We want to trust you with what we cannot control. God, I ask today that you would grant your people a release from the desire to control. Grant us a peace beyond our understanding, a peace that will guard our hearts and minds and bodies and souls in Christ Jesus. God, we give you all honor and glory. Blessed be your name, the name above every name. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and the church can say amen. Go now in the blessing and under the blessing of God. Be at peace as you go out into the world to love and serve God and one another. Have a great week. I'll see you next week.